Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is June 19th, 2019, and it's post uh, an amazing and an incredible uh, Orlando rally that our president had. It was pretty awesome. It was massive, and it was powerful. Um, And it was a kickoff, not so much for the campaign, but for keeping the rest of the promises. And I'll elaborate on that because today there is a lot to talk about. Uh, We've got to cover, I mean, obviously what was said in the rally, but what did the rally actually tell us is key. Was it reinforcement? Was it encouragement? Or was it proving what has already happened? So that's something we should get into a little bit now at the beginning of the show. Then we're going to continue on talking about Iran, the EU, Turkey, and the turmoil in the Aegean area. We're talking, you know, the Gulf, you would say, of the Med all the way up to the Aegean, what the Turkish government is doing, and... This, this morning, I was watching uh, television from Iran, and um, it was great because for the first time, I saw them come out and actually address. Uh, President uh, Rouhani made a statement today in regards to what's going on with the situation uh, with the United States. Uh, So did the National Security Advisor or the head of the National Security Council, uh, uh, Sahmani did. It's really important that we pay attention to what they're saying. And also further discuss Russia's role, if any, Mm-hmm. Mexico. And obviously we need to just uh, kind of talk a little bit about Syria too. So in the first hour, we're going to cover rally. And then we're going to cover strategies. What we've seen come out in these past two and a half years. And how this is now playing out. This will explain the incredible panic in Washington, D.C. The incredible panic that we see throughout the European Union the incredible panic that we see in those posing as people that trust in God and trust and have faith in their own country. And that could be the United States or any other country. Uh, it is very important uh, that we understand the difference between, you know, a crazy nationalist and a patriotic. Um, I, I don't know how to interpret this word from Greek. but So it's kind of like nationalist, but not the crazy nationalist. How's that? So 
we have a lot to, to, to discuss. So in order to start it, I am going to play the intro discussion with a few pauses to make clarifications that Trump provided when he came to the stage after being introduced by Melania, who, by the way, stood out stunningly with yellow. And, you know, yellow is a color that people usually relate to jealousy or whatever. But actually, in a sea of red, which is a very stimulant color to have yellow, it's encouraging and it uh, stimulates memory. So that was that was really cool that she wore yellow for me on the basis of, you know, Paying attention to the small details, because that's what it's important. Uh, That was actually an excellent choice. And the way she said how proud she was to be serving as First Lady was incredible. Let's take a listen to what the president had to say yesterday. such luck in Orlando. We love being in Orlando. Thank you. Thank you, Orlando. What a turnout. What a turnout. You know, I said, this is a very big arena for a Tuesday night. I said, you know, if we have about uh, three or four empty seats, the fake news will say headlines. He didn't fill up the arena, you know. So I said, maybe we shouldn't take a chance. Maybe we shouldn't go to Orlando. We should go someplace else. And I said, no, I think we'll go to Orlando. And and not only did we fill it up, but we had 120,000 requests. That means you folks have come out very, very good. Congratulations. I want to thank our great vice president, Mike Pence. Okay, let me stop it right there. So let's, I wanted to point something out that I saw on a live stream uh, that InfoWars Millie Weaver was doing. Uh, As she was live streaming, and so many other people were, but you could see there were porta potties outside. It was pouring rain. People were still waiting in line. And you know what? The porta potties legit had way more people in line there. The stands that were selling, uh, you know, uh, Trump apparel, t shirts, uh, water had more people in line than you can imagine. Joe Biden's rally didn't have as many people that were in line trying to get a water outside of the venue okay so bottom line is they can't even fill a bathroom while he fills stadiums i don't see how the mainstream media keeps saying that all these other clowns are ahead in the polls i mean we saw this before with clinton where she was what like 11 12 points ahead it was all bs it's all a fact and it's when are we going to demand our mainstream media to be honest i mean during this uh, just one minute that I played, he already called out the fake news, and he does it again. And his wonderful wife, Karen Pence, and our magnificent First Lady, Melania. Thank you.
I'm thrilled to be back in my second home. That's what it is. It's my second home. In many cases, I think I could say it's my first home. You want to know the It's the great state of Florida. Very historic, because exactly four years ago this week, I announced my campaign for President of the United States. And it turned out to be more than just a political campaign. It turned out to be a great political movement because of you. A great movement. It's a movement made up of hardworking patriots who love their country, love their flag, love their children, and who believe that a nation must care for its own citizens first. Together, we stared down a corrupt and broken political establishment, and we restored government of, by, and for the people. Our country is now thriving, prospering, and booming. And frankly, it's soaring to incredible new heights. Our economy is the envy of the world, perhaps the greatest economy we've had in the history of our country. Here's a pause. So we did have a great economy in the early 1900s, but it was not done through work, labor, incentives, and uh, people wanting to work, basically. It was done through war. Let's, let's, let's clarify. So this is the, uh, indeed the first time in the history of our country that we are prosperous. Our GDP is high. Uh, the job market is booming. Our stock market is booming. And it's not manufactured like, you know, the inflated bubble, you know, what do they call it, the internet bubble that happened, you know, 80s and uh, late 90s. 90s with the crash coming after it's not that it's actually legit hard work it's actually changing the foundation so if your foundation is solid it's really hard to drop the only thing that would drop would be with unexpected circumstances or a war right so the economy is booming and yes people are envious yes because there is not one person that can't get a job today if they don't have it in your state, you'll find it somewhere else if they're full, <laughs> which is highly doubtful because everyone telecommutes now, so you can work from anywhere. Our economy is incredible. And what he stated, which is it was a political movement, it was. So I want to tell you guys a little bit of ancient history, super ancient history, like ancient Greek history. So... There's a story of how the ancient Greeks uh, were going to war with the Ottomans. Uh, you know, in, in th they were called the barbarians. And it was in uh, the Peloponnese, summertime. And the generals would sit around and they didn't know when they needed to go toward the shores. That was their concern. They didn't know when they needed to head toward the shores, the eastern shores, to fight. 
So as they were moving, they would pause because they're like, well, we don't want them to see how big of an army we have. And we don't have a very good vantage point. So we have to have a time where something will trigger it, right? Something that will give us this sign. This is a, a myth, but in myth, there's always some truth. And as they were maybe a couple miles away from the shoreline where a battle ensued, they were sitting around uh, late in the evening uh, before the sun went down. So, you know, summer, I guess it would, what would it be like eight, nine o'clock, right? And it was just as the sun was going to go down where these bugs started to make noise. They're called didikia, also known as the uh, harvest fly, also known as cicada. And so these are um, insects that have three stages of life, right? They, um, they go through the stage of being an egg, a nymph, an adult. So the egg is pretty much, um, you know, when they hatch, they become like larval, right? The, the nymphy side. And they fall into the ground and they bury themselves. These bugs, these insects can remain underground for 17 years. Now, in the place that they were, it was said by the locals, you know, that were housing the soldiers, tending to wounds from whatever, they were told that those haven't come out in over, you know, 17 years, uh, 17 summers. Uh, They had not heard them. So when it's hot, they come out. Uh, you know, you hear them everywhere in the Mediterranean, basically. And it's actually one of the most pleasant sounds I can remember uh, spending my summers in Greece. And, you know, they don't buzz or make that sound that sounds like cricket, but it's not by rubbing wings or anything. They actually have their abdominal wall. The males actually pump it out. So if you look at it in slow motion, it looks like they're, they're, um, you know how people, what is that? Oh, gosh, look at that tip of my tongue, that dance where you're like aggressive. Oh, gosh, I'm totally forgetting it. Anyway, they look like they're beefing up their chest to fight if you do it in slow motion, obviously, because it's really fast. So the cicada makes that sound. It's a very specific sound. And, And they can take up to 17 years to emerge. So because that was, you know, 17 summers had gone and the locals said they didn't hear it. The generals took that as a note and said, all right, I guess this is our cue. So the minute the sun went down, they headed for the shores. And surprised they may be that the Ottomans had just arrived, so they caught them off guard. In the night with the cicada giving the message. And so it was, it's a little myth. It's, you know, a pocket myth of a village uh, that's been handed down from, you know, grandparent to, to, to grandchild uh, for uh, many generations. And I thought it it was very important for me to state this because signaling uh, when you are going to war is a big deal, right? Signaling when you are going to war to eradicate an enemy is a big deal. And we all have to think right now who is the enemy because the president pretty much made it clear. We 
have the most corrupt political structure. And listen to what he says, which is no different than what he said exactly 17 years ago today. Uh, And so I've been looking for this video that I have saved from the day he came down that escalator and I had saved it on a board and for some reason it's gone. So I'm still looking for it. So anyone that can find it, uh, I would be ever so grateful in 1998 today uh, that he gave, um, 1998, sorry, it's um, 2002 that he gave this. It was after 9-11 and it was in 2002 today. Uh, And it was similar to the 1998 clip that I just keep finding. That's why I said 1998. So listen to what he says now. And it will tell you what this rally was really reinforcing. And as long as you keep this team in place, we have a tremendous way to go. Our future has never, ever looked brighter or sharper. The fact is, the American dream is back. It's bigger and better and stronger than ever before. Twenty sixteen was not merely another four year election. This was a defining moment in American history, ask them right there. He's pointing to the fake news. Mind you, CNN cut the feed when the whole arena started chanting, CNN sucks. Just thought I'd mention that. By the way, that is a lot of fake news back there. That's a lot. That's a lot. Just a just a note. Imagine how the fake news and the Democrats feel right now, because the president was done with a hundred and twenty thousand people wanting to stand behind him to show support just in that area. Imagine how they feel right now. You know what I say? The amount of press we have tonight. Reminds me of the Academy Awards before it went political and their ratings went down the tubes. This was our chance to reclaim our government from a permanent political class that enriched itself at your expense. As I said on a wonderful, beautiful day, At my inauguration, we did not merely transfer power from one party to another, but we transferred power back 
to you, the proud citizens of the United States of America. And that's what terrifies them. He has the people, they have the megaphone, and the people aren't listening anymore. And this is what's causing panic, not just in the United States, but in Europe as well. We stared down the unholy alliance of lobbyists and donors and special interests who made a living bleeding our country dry. That's what we've done. We broke down the doors of Washington back rooms where deals were cut to close our companies, give away your jobs, shut down our factories, and surrender your sovereignty and your very way of life. And we've ended it. Keyword to surrender your sovereignty. I've been talking about this how long? How quickly do people forfeit their rights to privacy and freedom in the name of fear? That is how you're, you're forfeiting your right to privacy. With the deals that they created with other nations to create this new order that has been discussed in public, but no one is actually paying attention from Bush 41 all the way up to Obama and even Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail. We took on a political machine that tried to take away your voice and your vote. They tried to take away your dignity and your destiny. But we will never let them do that, will we? Many times I said we would drain the swamp, and that's exactly what we're doing right now. We're draining the swamp. The feed was cut by Fox uh, on that section, so it continues. No president has had to deal with before because we did, in the middle of the great and illegal witch hunt, things that nobody have been able to accomplish, not even close. Nobody's done what we have done in two and a half years. So let's stop it right there. There's another clip um, at the end. Um, his, uh, you know, epilogue, uh, I would say, should have been uh, that we should listen to. But for now, before we head to the break, I just wanted to say this was the kickoff to draining the swamp. He said, we're doing this now. And this is where people need to understand that it all begins. It is going to be so fiery going forward that there is no stopping this avalanche. The ball has just been dropped from the top of the mountain and it is rolling down. And he made sure to clarify that 
to everyone listening. I had said that I would drain the swamp and we're starting to drain the swamp now. And then he went on uh, to demonstrate all the achievements and everything that he's achieved with his hands and feet bound. Because with a special counsel, you can't do anything. You're always under scrutiny. People are listening. They are so well embedded. The CIA is so well embedded within Washington that you don't know who you can trust. You don't know just how deep and far they will go. And it's been very difficult for him to discern those that put America first and those, like he says in his own words, abide to foreign interests and other interests other than that of the people. And we've seen this being demonstrated now where the Democrats are doing anything in their power to usurp our government, uh, attempting to impeach, which they can't, okay, and taking away our rights as citizens. Uh, They've silenced us. They've shamed us. uh, They've uh, called for violence. I mean, I, I, I mentioned it yesterday on air. Joe Biden said that we need a physical revolution. We need to pull out the brass knuckles to Republicans. He called for violence. You know who results to violence? Animals. Animals that don't understand respond to violence and act in violence. That's the difference because their only army are the very few. We are many. They are few. And they are scared. And we can see this just from the headlines worldwide from the other countries that are reflecting exactly what is happening now in Washington. That drain plug was just pulled last night. I'll see you all in just a bit after this break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So I'm going to continue with a clip where President Trump discussed Hillary Clinton. Important, because this rally wasn't just announcing his run, but reminding you what he said, reminding you what he accomplished, and reinforced, thank you for being patient. It's all been kicked off now. During one of the debates, when crooked Hillary said, if I win, are you going to support me? But I must be honest, I didn't give her a great answer. That was a very, that might have been my hardest question during the debates. Isn't it amazing that it worked the other way around, right? Isn't it amazing? If you want to know how the system is rigged, just compare how they came after us for three years with everything they have versus the free pass they gave to Hillary and her aides after they set up an illegal server, destroyed evidence, deleted and acid-washed 33,000 emails, exposed classified information, and turned the State Department into a pay-for-play cash machine. keep mentioning, you know, there was a lot of corruption on the other side. But, you know, the simplest thing, they get a subpoena from the United States Congress, and they decide that they're not going to give it. So, Lindsey Graham, they delete and they acid wash, which is very expensive. Nobody does it. They acid wash those emails. Never to be seen again. But we may find them somewhere deep in the State Department. Well, where will we find them deep in the State Department? Could they be doning some back-end Internet uh, site 
chat group forum on the dark net. You know, uh, and, and I've said it before, I hang out on the dark net in certain chat areas where I sit and talk with a bunch of nerds like me, where we're all friends and we kind of share the same ideas. We share the same ideologies um, that, you know, every human being has the right to freedom. Uh, Every human being has the right uh, to have their own privacy. And not only that, every human being has the right to access information. I mean, Why are we not allowed to know things? This is something for me that's a pet peeve. Why can't every individual maintain their anonymity, have their privacy? Why aren't we allowed to do this? What is so dangerous with every human being being one of their own? Why do they not disclose information to us, not just the U.S. government globally. Why are we not allowed to have access to certain information? Why is this so taboo or wrong? So, you know, uh, me and, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of us. There's just a group of us. We've been talking for years, many, many years. And these are people Worldwide, um, where we get together, I've mentioned this before, discuss things, um, plug in theories into algorithms and try to make sense out of math to answer questions, right? We just (laughs) put down very complex equations, hoping that we can make uh, better predictive solutions. Uh, Most of us are very savvy uh, with computers and coding but what we need to understand is, so j- just, to, just to clarify, we're not like hackers or anything, right? We're just a bunch of nerds that are just friends because we like to share ideas. Ideas and to find ways uh, to manifest these ideas. I mean, wouldn't it be a great world, right, if everybody can just be? Wouldn't it be just a great world where you live without blinders or restrictions, where, you know, you can access all and any information you wish? I mean, you should be free. You should have the right to control your own body, your privacy, your identity, right? Everything. And indeed, you should always have the right to your own security, And these are fundamental God-given rights. Yet we have forfeited them throughout time for the greater good, as one would say, right? For the greater good, we are no longer free, you know, uh, to the point where you're like, well, I'm 80% free. You're not free. We are no longer allowed to be private or anonymous or just exist in our own world. Meaning I don't need everybody to know my business. I don't need to be in a server. I don't need to have my own file. No, I can just be me and privacy. We lack that. We lack that because we forfeited that right to privacy. Didn't we? In the United States, we completely forfeited it, even though they were violating our rights before that. When they created the CIA, 
We forfeited it in the name of what? Security. And we are responsible for our own security. We can't. We have the right to bear arms. We have the right to protect ourselves. But for some reason, we don't. We have forfeited those innate rights, those God-given rights to us. We have given it to other people. Most of them are establishment politicians, people that have no idea what they are doing. Like, for example, healthcare. right? I would be better to be in the house when we're discussing healthcare, not because I'm the best healthcare expert, but I'm a citizen. I know the topic. I know as a citizen what I want, right? I know from my neighbors what they want. Why isn't it citizen-led? Why do we have Congress people right now who get elected in 2016 and in 2017, all they're doing is raising money to pay people off. They're paying people off so they can get on committees and get reelected. They, they, they even don't know half the stuff they're dealing with. And you know what? Because they don't know, they just glance by it and not even read what they are signing on behalf of the people they represent. President Trump said he's giving the power back to the people. Well, why aren't we really using it to its full potential? We're still reelecting the same clowns. The same clowns that are in there and supposedly work for the first 10 months, then they have discussions in the next two months to how they're going to campaign to start raising funds so they can go on the ballot again. This is like rinse and repeat. This shouldn't be the case. So I'm just saying in, in that sense, there are a lot of people out there globally within their own countries and many within the United States that are frustrated. And, you know, I've said this before, nothing on the Internet ever dies, ever. I mean, you can acid wash anything. But if it's gone on the Internet, you know it's on the dark net on the back end. Because there's nerds that like to archive things. You know how um, in history we've had people that on their own would document history, right? And then, you know... 200 years later, someone finds their books of recording live history. Well, the internet is live history. What makes you think there's not a nerd out there recording everything that goes through the internet and housing it somewhere on the dark net? <laughs> That's the thing. You don't know it. And President Trump made it clear, maybe we'll find it. Yep, maybe we will. Because there are a lot of nerds that feel the same way. They believe that there should be transparency in all facets of humankind. There should be liberty. And we should be able to have our own security. And, you know, this is how people feel. But they don't know how to express it. We all feel like this. Every single one of you listening to me right now has felt, wow, the good old days when you could have done that. Wow, the good old days when you could have done that. You know, and we're talking pre-40s, okay? Pre-40s. And even then, there was control in regards to security and privacy, right? But not to the extent now. Now, we're numbered. We have a file. Some people are chipped. You can't walk to the grocery store without your face falling into a database 
You know, you sign up for a rewards card every time you scan it. That camera in Walmart, Albertsons, wherever you go has taken a snapshot of your face and they've created a profile. This is how they send you coupons and they know how often you go and what you shop. They know you. The artificial intelligence conglomerate is a better. That's you, not who you are and that's what sucks because it creates a persona of you that may or may not be accurate but it's very high in detail now listen to his monologue um epilogue I would say it would be but it's the end of his speech I want you to take a listen to what he says all they use a vote for any democrat in 2020 is a vote for the rise of radical socialism and the destruction of the American dream. So don't ever forget, this election is about you. It's about your family, your future, and the fate of your country. We begin our campaign with the best record, the best results, the best agenda, and the only positive vision for our country's future. Like he said, radical socialism. And, you know, during the break, I responded to a tweet that Donald Trump Jr. put out where, for some reason, Nadler, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, all these insane Democrats are constantly talking about Nazi and, and concentration camps and everything. And I'm thinking, we, they, how do they have the audacity to say things like that when every single action, every single statement, every single ideology, every single law they're putting forward, Everything they're doing is textbook Hitler is, Hitler's socialism agenda. This is how he came to power. By pandering for social, uh, what is it called? Social um, unity. Oh, Merkel used the term. And I was like, whoa, did she like read Mein Kampf? Uh, it's just... Uh, so, oh, social solidarity. There we go. This is what they're pushing for. And he's right. You want radical socialism? Go vote for a Democrat. But if you want to live in the home of the brave and the free, and we are going to struggle to get our freedom back, that's a fact. Some things cannot be undone, but there are people, lots of nerds out there, trying to mitigate and find out how. But then you vote for a Democrat if you want socialism. If you want to be free, you don't. Together, we will continue unleashing the power of American enterprise so every American can know the dignity of work and the pride of a paycheck. We will elect a Republican Congress to create a safe, modern, and lawful system of immigration. It will be a system of immigration that strengthens our country, upholds our values, and protects our way of life. We will enact trade deals that ensure more products are promptly stamped with the words, made in the USA. We will create a great healthcare system based on honesty, transparency, more options, and far lower costs for much better care. We will give school choice to millions of underserved children who are trapped in failing schools and failing school systems. 
We will continue rescuing our inner cities from the disastrous reign of Democrats who presided over the decimation of their education systems, the outsourcing of their jobs, and the devastation of their neighborhoods. We will expand opportunity zones so that no community is ever left behind. Thank you, Tim Scott. Great help. In the face of new threats, we will defend privacy, free speech, religious liberty, and the right to keep and bear arms. And that's key right now. We will protect our Second Amendment. We will push onward with new medical frontiers. We will come up with the cures to many, many problems, to many, many diseases, including cancer and others. And we're getting closer all the time. And just a note before he closes, with his um, right to try, this allows uh, successful research to be conducted on human subjects voluntarily. Because like I've explained before, the FDA controls this so much that if you are, like me, what they call biohackers because you're outside of the system, you haven't sold your ideas, or if you've created a drug and you haven't gotten uh, a pharmaceutical company to buy interest in it, You are not considered legitimate by the FDA, yet your cure can be the cure for everything. I have a friend uh, who created a drug called Canalife. The company's called Canalife, K-A-N-N-A Life, right? And this drug is to help with um, synthetic uh, cannabinoid uh, combat hepatic encephalopathy, you know, where people kind of like lose their mind from liver conditions, right, with the toxins. And it's actually very beneficial. And through trials, they've indicated it's very beneficial. But here's the thing. If a pharmaceutical company doesn't want to buy it, or if a pharmaceutical company demands that you forfeit full patent for them to buy it, Here's the thing. They also have the right, once they buy it, to not give it out. And I've already explained this on previous shows with Martin Shkreli and the uh, PR stunt he pulled with the AIDS medication. So he's already taken the step as president with this right to try to allow people to utilize novel methods of treatment when they have no more choices. I mean, they're at that stage, when they're at stage four cancer, or there's no going back, or the only alternative is hospice, then you have the right to just go to anyone and get treatment without the FDA's approval, which is pretty cool. We will eradicate AIDS in America once and for all, and we're very close. We will lay the foundation for landing American astronauts on the surface of Mars. And above all, we will never stop fighting for the values that hold us together as one America. We believe in the American Constitution and the rule of law. We believe in the dignity of work and the sanctity of life. We believe that faith and family, not government and bureaucracy, are the true American way. We believe that children should be taught 
to love our country, honor our history, and always respect our great American flag. And we will live by the words of our national motto, in God we trust. Powered by these values, we won a victory two and a half years ago. We won a victory for every parent worried for their children and worried about their children. They were concerned that their children wouldn't have the same opportunity as they had. We're going to make that opportunity even better. We won a victory for every mom and dad who lost a job because our leaders waved the white flag of economic surrender. You've seen that too much. We won a victory for American self-government, self-rule, and self-determination. We have been blessed by God with the greatest nation on the face of the earth, and we are going to keep it that way. We are going to keep it that way. With your help, with your love and your devotion, and with your drive, we are going to keep on working. We are going to keep on fighting. And we are going to keep on winning, winning, winning. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Orlando. Thank you, Florida. All right. So his last sentences were exactly what everyone envisions America to be from its inception. When people were fleeing Europe, Africa, the Middle East, Far East, Asia, and they were coming to America as migrants, they had the vision that they can work hard and, and, and win in life, right? Create a family, uh, create a legacy, create their own business. The, the roads were paved with gold. They are no longer like that. Even migrants that come today do not have the opportunities that should be there. Even Americans born today don't because every child that is born is born with debt that averages about seventy to $80,000 worth of debt on their head. This is something key. And the reason we are in the position we are is due to the changes that we had in the first four decades of the, of the 1900s. Uh, and that was sealed with the formation of the CIA. They destroyed family by creating social security and relieving the children of the obligation to look after their own parents. 
Then they went on to relieve husbands and wives from marriage, that the abandoning children, promoting abortion. Once you destroy the foundation of a family unit, you destroy faith, you destroy drive, and you create an atheist nation. And I say it again. What's better? Living a life not believing in God and dying to realize that there is one? Or living a, a life believing that there is a God and dying and seeing that there isn't one? Which one is worse for you? A faithless country has no direction, answers to no higher morals. And what he stated today is exactly what he's been striving to do. Provide the power back to the people. We see it across the nation from cities, counties, and state level where people are fighting back. People are removing these corrupt, non-transparent establishment persons that are running the system. They want liberty. They want the right to be able to define their own security, and they want privacy. No more forfeiting rights in the name of security. They don't want this. That, though, is a card that cannot be pulled back. It's kind of like, you know, when you see something, you can't unsee it. The privacy issue, it's one of those things. So what we have to find is mitigation. But liberty and security are, are free game. And that is what he is targeting now, which is liberty and security. That is an innate right to every human being. And to create the opportunities that were intended to exist from the very foundation of this nation. His kickoff rally was not so much to say I'm running. We already knew he was going to rerun, right? It was to tell you that now you're going to be seeing the results. Get ready. Hold on to your seats. Because as we near 2020, his rallies are not going to be saying make America great because he's going to be doing it. It's going to be, hey, let's keep on this path to keep America great. So vote for me. That is what's going to be happening. So this starting today... We're going to see some crazy escalations. We're going to see some crazy things come up, things that you wouldn't even fathom. I mean, his statement of laying the foundation so that we can go to Mars, it's happening. We might not see it during his presidency, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see it uh, at the first presidency right after his second term, for sure. I mean, this is a man that averted a nuclear war with North Korea. We were supposed to be at war, a small one, but at war with North Korea. And he defused that situation. So after this break, we're going to talk about the panic worldwide. We're going to analyze what's really going on in Iran, Europe, North Korea, and of course, Turkey. I'll see you all in a few. Discussing news, foreign and domestic, 
unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the second hour where we're going to talk about foreign policy and reflect on how that works with us and how it actually indicates the direction in which everything is moving and what we should be expecting from Osaka. But before we begin, I just wanted to say... Uh, Many of you out there uh, using social media to communicate through Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever it is, I urge all of you to kind of um, try to join groups where we can where you can discuss with like minded people or at least, you know, visit the John Birch Society uh, site. Uh, It is pretty incredible. I love to look at things. And you guys know that I have a (laughs) I have my 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 husband says and I know it's a t-shirt and someone else probably coined it but he'll tell people he doesn't need google because he has me i have a very good memory and i wanted to play a clip from robert welch this is from 1958 right after the creation of the cia and i believe it was um eisenhower who was prompted to mitigate the cia with the creation of the nro that kind of aligned with this But I want you to listen to this two-minute clip. This is from 1958, what he said about our nation and who would ultimately destroy the United States. Kind of like, wasn't it Abraham Lincoln that said it will be us that can destroy the nation, not outside influence or, or foreigners, right? Take a listen. A part of that plan, of course, is to induce the gradual surrender of American sovereignty, piece by piece and step by step, to various international organizations of which the United Nations is the outstanding but far from the only example. Now here are the aims for the United States. One, greatly expanded government spending for every conceivable means of getting rid of ever larger sums of American money as wastefully as possible. Two, higher and then much higher taxes. Three, an increasingly unbalanced budget, despite the higher taxes. Four, wild inflation of our currency. Five, government controls of prices, wages, and materials, supposedly to combat inflation. Six, greatly increased socialistic controls over every operation of our economy, and every activity of our daily lives. This is to be accompanied naturally and automatically by a correspondingly huge increase in the size of our bureaucracy and in both the cost and reach of our domestic government. Seven, far more centralization of power in Washington and the practical elimination of our state lines. There is a many-faceted drive at work to have our state lines eventually mean no more within the nation than our county lines do now within the states. Eight, the steady advance of federal aid to and control over our educational system, leading to complete federalization of our public education. Nine, a constant hammering into the American consciousness of the horror of modern warfare. 
the duties and the absolute necessity of peace. Peace always on communist terms, of course. And ten, the consequent willingness of the American people to allow the steps of appeasement by our government, which amount to a piecemeal surrender of the rest of the free world. Kind of sounds like everything I've been saying, right? Kind of sounds like everything you're probably thinking of. Piece by piece is how they take it. This has been a long established plan. Piece by piece, they've sold our country off globally, haven't they? Piece by piece, we have forfeited our rights. Our educational system now, what is it, 61 years, uh, 62 years after that speech is almost completely federalized. It is, actually. They control everything. They control every facet, and now they control how, y- how your persona is. They condition you, and they try to tell you how you should think or express your speech. <laughs> he said this 61 to 62 years ago. It's all coming to fruition. And this is why the NRO was established. This is why they dismantled post-2001 the NRO because they no longer can have the people fighting for the people in the background, kind of like the crickets, uh, kind of like the cicadas, uh, the, the harvest flies. They're all larvae from the NRO, and they come out whenever they have to, between 1 and 17 years to bring it up. So it's really important that we learn something from history and understand just how important this period of time is, not just for our nation, but for humanity and for future generations. So because it is so huge, this is why we are seeing the panic globally. Now, Let's begin with the tensions in Iran, okay? Let's begin with what happened in Iran, what the narrative is, what the mainstream media is telling you, and how they are moving forward with it. Because this will tell you who is panicking and why. So we must understand that, uh, you know, this morning France and Germany made announcements they stated that they were committed to, redu- you know, to, in- uh, to intensify their efforts in reducing the tensions um, uh, with Iran. And basically, they know that time is running out uh, and the danger of war is what uh, the foreign uh, ministers of both uh, France and Germany expressed today, this morning, in Paris in a joint conference. And I quote um, Jean-Yves Ledrin said, we want to join our efforts to start a de-escalation process. Here is where they're saying they're de-escalating a situation between the United States and Iran. Okay. And he made that statement after cabinet members met. He said, there is still some time left and we hope that all the players will show more calm and sound mind. There is still time, but very little time. This is what the French and the Germans are telling uh, the Europeans um, about what's going on in Iran. It's really important that you listen to their words because this is how you can tell who is on humanity's side and who's not. 
So the German foreign minister, um, uh, Mayas, Heiko Mayas, uh, he was uh, there and he attended the French cabinet meeting, right? And he said, the risk of a Gulf War has not been avoided. We need to do everything we can to get this done. That is why we're talking on all sides. I, want Iran- I went to Iran and we also talked to the Americans. There needs to be a de-escalation through dialogue. It's time for diplomacy first. And that's what we're committed to doing. So now the French and the Germans are meeting in France with the so the Germans are meeting with the French cabinet. They're saying, oh, we already went to Iran and we're talking with the Americans and we want to like de-escalate it. And here's the thing. The uh, countries are pushing for an agreement between uh, the major powers and Iran to continue after the unilateral withdrawal of the U.S. from the Iran deal. So basically they want to, you know, reinforce their support to the Iran nuclear deal. And then... uh, um, the re-sanctions of the U.S. in Tehran, right, in, in Iran, basically. Uh, Letrian also said that Iran's threat to give up its commitment under the nuclear deal, you know, where they're supposed to have only so much enriched uranium that limits how much they should have, uh, within 10 days, that's what they told them, they're giving them 10 days, is very worrying and not in Iran's interest, but it also has responsibilities um, that they, they're basically saying it's the fault of the United States that we're in this position. Like, no joke, that is what they say. This is because of the United States that they made this threat. So here we have Germany and France blaming the United States for Iran's deadline to the European Union. And they spoke supposedly with Iran. Now, uh, Letrian also continued to say that we also believe that the U.S. decision to withdraw from the deal is not good. And, um, you know, uh, that, you know, campaigning for such under pressure to do it, um, increases the tension in Iran. Now, Iran warned Europeans, that, like I told you yesterday, that if they don't do anything and offset the U.S. sanctions, uh, you know, that's set up in their deal on the oil segment, because in the Iran deal, it says that they're allowed to trade oil, that they're supposed to have an economy. Now, they gave him a deadline up to July 8th to address this, July 8th. They're going to start enriching uranium at a higher level. This is what they said. They said, forget the deal. If you don't stand by it and we're not pumping oil and we're not selling it and you don't protect us under the agreement, it's done. We have no agreement. So after the attacks in Oman, you know, in the Gulf of Oman that happened, the Hormuz Strait, uh, last week, you know, they, the French and the Germans said, you know, they're increasingly concerned that there's going to be military conflict between Iran and the United States. And they're blaming Washington um, because, uh, you know, Washington is pointing out that Iran is involved, yet Iran is saying that they're not involved. And I've already explained it to you. Iran already has plants within their own IRDC. Pay attention. The president didn't say all of Iran is a terrorist organization. They didn't say, oh, the military of Iran is a terrorist organization. They didn't say Rouhani is a terrorist. 
They said only the IRGC. Remember, it's that line that separates the supreme leader and the rest of Iran. They are the membrane to the communication. They are the last fort. No one can go and talk to Rouhani if they don't go through the IRGC. Nobody can call Rouhani if they don't go through the IRGC or Khomeini. Okay, this is the way it is. So since we already know that it was the IRGC that did it and Iran leadership is saying we didn't do it, then it's obviously someone within the IRGC. But how do they trust the IRGC and how do they go against it and how do they examine it? Same thing went for who? Kim Jong-un. Do you remember that? It was his generals and the people placed there to keep him in control. Remember that. So the Iranian president, um, Rouhani, came back with a question as to, you know, why did the U.S. sanction and why did they, you know, withdraw from Iran, uh, from the Iran deal, saying that, um, you know, it could have been easier just him withdraw and just leave it alone. But he didn't. So he said that Iran um, is not going to be waging any war lately. And the Navy also, you know, the U.S. Navy at the same time, you know, came out saying that there were magnetic mine fragments and they were removed by experts from the Japanese tanker and claimed to have, you know, very, very identical resemblance to those that Iran has. But remember, it was the Japanese crew that said they saw drones. So it was a completely different story, right? So now, as we have France and Germany burying, uh, you know, the United States, blaming the United States, you know, they're telling their people that we are telling you that there is probably going to be war. And the warning that Iran gave to Europe saying, if you don't hold your end of the bargain, there will be war is a big deal now. How does that work out? I mean, why are the French and the German, uh, you know, in general, the European Union making such, you know, hard and concrete and black and white statements? I mean, did the, did the U.S. say they want war? No. Are there ships being in the Mediterranean uh, or coming into the Gulf or the Fifth Fleet being activated mean that uh, they want war? Not really. But we have to understand that um, Iran making the statement that they're going to withdraw from the nuclear agreement that it signed with Western nation is the very least they could do, you know, as a retaliation, I would guess, where the U.S. has withdrawn from the agreement and then re-sanctioned Iran. So they have the agreement that ties their hand, and then the U.S. went on to them and said, oh, I know your hands are tied, but here's more ties. We're putting sanctions. And so uh, President Rouhani today, and I saw it on TV, uh, well, not TV, I streamed it, right, because I don't get Iranian channels here, uh, said that... um, you know, this was their concern that not only did they pull out, but then they added extra sanctions, which seemed, you know, kind of like overkill is what he was saying. So this was actually broadcast on state television. And um, Ronnie also added that, uh, you know, he would not at all negotiate with the United States under pressure. He says, if they're willing to talk, they need to talk without pressure. But, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, um, Bizan Zaganech 
Uh, he is the like minister of like oil production or Iranian oil. He said that, you know, he's upset because Europe is not working with Iran uh, to, you know, offset the U.S. sanctions that has been imposed on Iran because of the, uh, you know, on their oil market. So basically the U.S. added sanctions to Iran. And according to the agreement, the European Union was supposed to already, as of, you know, May 2nd, remember, had to, you know, come up with a solution to offset the problem in regards to, you know, their economy. Because Right where they were buying, China was buying, Japan was buying, Greece was buying, Italy, Taiwan, right? All these countries were buying. The EU hasn't um, held up their end of the agreement to support oil production and their economy in oil. And remember, there's two deadlines. There's June 28th and then there's July 8th that I told you about yesterday. Now, July 8th is the one that they set on May 8th, which is we give you two months to fix it. You either show us that you're going to help us economically with our oil issues that we can't export and no one's buying and help us offset it or we're going to have issues. So it's all about money. So just so you understand, there are two deadlines that were set. So um, he continued to say, well, according to the Farsa agency, right, uh, he said that Europeans are not cooperating in regards to the oil market. And he was very upset about it. And then the spokesperson for the Atomic Energy Agency, um, the um, AEA of Iran, said that they're going to start enriching uranium at a higher level next month and would not give the European forces any more time to save the Iran nuclear deal after July 8th. So they've given them that two-month you know, warning uh, in May when they were like, you're either going to come up and help us or it's done. Now, uh, another uh, important note to make is that um, uh, Behruz uh, Kamalvandi, he said that Iran intends to bring its threat about enriching more uranium to a higher level if Europe doesn't do something. So now we're having the people. So I want you to close your eyes and picture the supreme leader, the president of Iran sitting, you know, uh, you know, in a room and then you have a wall. That wall is the IRGC and then you have all these ministers that are talking. So imagine the president is telling the IRGC, yo, tell them that, you know, we'd like to talk with the United States and we need to talk with Europe. Then the IRGC says, tell them if they don't do it, you know, there's going to be trouble. Doesn't mean that they're telling them. That's what I'm trying to explain. There is that, that wall of the IRGC. So even, you know, Rouhani and Khamenei don't know if the message is really being conveyed. I'm, I'm trying to stress this so people understand the situation that Iran is in too. But, you know, them speaking to the people directly over, you know, television airwaves um, and, and, and radio airwaves, you know, there is no IRGC. So, you know, this guy continued to say that the two-month term that they gave to everyone else that is part of the Iran nuclear de uh, deal is not going to be extended at all, and they're going to start enriching the uranium. Now, at the same time, right, the Supreme National Security Council guy, um, uh, Samhani, Ali Samhani, uh, he uh, said that 
the U.S. and Iran are not going to war at all. He like said it. He's like, no, we are not going to war with the United States. And then, you know, obviously people are like, well, there were attacks on two tankers. And so, you know, uh, Europe is very concerned that the United States is going to come and have war with Iran. And because, you know, Washington, D.C. has already claimed that Iran is responsible for this, even though Iran is denying. And he said, and I quote, there will be no military conflict between Iran and America as there is no reason for war. Forming accusations against other countries has become a practice of U.S. officials in their efforts, key here, to put pressure on other countries. That is exactly what the Secretary of the Supreme National Security Council said himself. Didn't go through the IRGC himself himself on state television. He said it himself. There is not going to be war. They're doing this to pressure other nations. And didn't I tell you a couple of days ago, this is not for, um, uh, you know, a struggle to attack Iran, but it's to reveal where everybody sits at the table. This is where your cards are being pushed. Iran already implemented, you know, their deadline, the Europeans are playing, oh, I don't know. Yeah, let me call you back. They're like ghosting Iran. Iran even said, yo, guys, we have an agreement. And in May, Trump put all these crazy sanctions on us. Now, if you're really by our side, you're supposed to help offset the economic struggle we have because our oil market is down. So where are you at? No response to any text. Completely ghosted. So Iran says, all right, you want to be like that? Since they didn't hear a response, they said, you got two months. July 8th, you don't, you know, uh, come up with something to offset this and meet and, and keep up your end of the agreement. Then we're going to be enriching uranium and poke this deal. You can take it and put it where the sun don't shine. We're not going to be dealing with you. So that's what happened with Europe. Europe is ghosting him, and that happened. Now with this tanker issue, they said, look, Europe, you're either going to step up and say we didn't do it. You're going to find out who did it. You're going to fess up. Or that's another tick on the notch to say we should stop communication. So they've got two deadlines all within 10 days of each other. And you know, at the end, the U.S. is just sitting pretty. And everyone keeps thinking that we're beefing up troops there for Iran. And that's not the case. Because what people are missing is the increased tensions in the Aegean Sea, you know, in the Mediterranean, in Syria, and it all revolves around one country, and that's Turkey. All you have to do is listen to the statements of Erdogan and actually appreciate the letter that was received yesterday by the Pentagon in a desperate attempt from Erdogan because the U.S. has had enough of this, you know, I'm like this, hot, cold, hot, cold, I hate the Western civilization, totally love the Muslim Brotherhood, death to America, but we're friends. He's done. And this is the problem. It's Turkey. And I've said it since November. The, the, the issue that's going to start is all on Turkey. And what happened yesterday? The Wall Street Journal published an article on how gold was landing in Uganda and then it was going to the Middle East and how Russia was taking gold and China was taking gold. Yeah, of course they did. Remember, I told you that. I told you that in December. I told you that in January, February, March. Why? They were getting their money back from Venezuela. Hey, I gave you $5 billion. You're in a lot of trouble with the United States and the rest of the world. 
put my cash on that plane. I'll take gold. Thank you. Bye. Now, who else is taking money out? Well, we don't know. It's coming in through NGOs, though. Landing in Uganda, you just have to wonder, what American politicians slash actors slash former people have NGOs in Uganda? Now, that's number one. Number two, why is Turkey the one selling the gold? Because they trace the gold to Turkey, and Turkey's selling it. Oh, my gosh. Turkey, a NATO ally, selling stuff on the black market? Could you believe that? Yes, I can. Because they're not good people. And President Trump knows it. I know it. You know it. The world knows it. And it's time for them to pay the piper. It's time. Because it is the most volatile area for global peace. Remember, there's railways that are supposed to be built linking China to Europe. And it has to go through Turkey. That's the landmass that we're using, right? They are killing it. There's supposed to be connections from London all the way down to Africa by train, from London all the way to China, from China all the way to Africa. This is the future of creating transportation systems, and they all have to go through Turkey. And if you have a country that's so wishy-washy, so fanatic, so radical, how do you have control? You don't. So they're messing it up for everyone, and unfortunately the EU banked on them just enough to keep them in check and wave that dollar like, ooh, you almost got it, which is entry into the EU, which was never going to happen. But now, for some reason, they're expediting it because they need an EU army. I wonder why. And we'll talk about that in the next half hour uh, right after this short break. So remember, Iran already said, we're not going to war. They're pressuring other nations. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 
1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. Um, I will be continuing on the turmoil uh, between Europe, uh, Iran, and then Iran pretty much saying, yo, uh, this isn't about us. It's about someone else. We have our own problems. Thank you very much. And um, what is going on with Turkey, first of all. Uh, And then we're going to talk about another slight attack uh, today announced by Europe against the United States. So Juncker actually made a statement saying that, you know, it's unfair that um, President Trump is attacking the central banks or the main banks of Europe. And we've seen a lot of that happen uh, through the Justice Department, holding them accountable for money laundering uh, with uh, you know, money laundering activities that they've conducted uh, with Iran. And they've been paying upwards of millions and millions and millions of dollars in fines. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well. Now, I wanted to say something. Uh, so a letter was received yesterday at the Pentagon, and it hasn't actually been reported, which is really weird. So Turkey's um, defense minister, Akbar, uh, said um, in the letter to Patrick Shanahan, who obviously has left uh, the Pentagon, uh, that, um, you know, there seems there doesn't seem to be any break in the deadlock that, uh, you know, President Trump and President Erdogan are at. And, you know, as, you know, the days are approaching to Turkey actually receiving the delivery of the S-400 missile systems from Russia and uh, their own pilots that were training here in the United States being grounded, um, it's being realized that Erdogan is not budging. He is literally not budging and found and, you know, And kind of pretty much realized, we've realized, that after he visited Tajikistan, um, Vladimir Putin uh, was actually more negative uh, toward him, too. I mean, there's a a phrase that, you know, I don't lick where I spit or I don't... um, Uh, what is it? I don't poop in the bed I sleep in. Right. And that's basically uh, what the the sense is in regards to receiving these S-400 systems. The embarrassment that Turkey is now 
experiencing is uh, pretty much evident. And, but they're actually responsible because, you know, they created this F-35 deal. These discussions were done under Obama, who had no problem. But now it's President Trump that they're dealing with. And, you know, basically Erdogan is feeling that, you know, they've just been handed a noose and they're hanging themselves and nobody wants to help them. Uh, they, you know, the, the, uh, us, like we, have not actually given them any opportunity uh, to kind of salvage whatever may be of a relationship between the U.S. and Turkey. And um, it's, it's pretty incredible what we see. Because in the past, the United States has backed down a lot. Even, uh, you know, Cyprus, you know, 1974. See, a lot of, what a lot of people don't know is that there was an alliance in the Middle East that had, you know, uh, Turkey, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, and the UK, part, they were part of it. But what happened was uh, this was established in the 50s, and right after Peter Strzok's daddy entered Iran and uh, the Khamenei were placed, um, and in 1974, obviously, Turkey occupied Cyprus. They, like, literally took over. There was war, and they took over half the island, like, with military force. Uh, this alliance didn't stand well and didn't sit well. That alliance was done and spearheaded by the United Kingdom in lieu of the projects that I've been talking about, which are pipelines, which are railways, and connecting uh, the three continents, Asia, Europe, and Africa via the Middle East. So it's pretty incredible, um, you know, how this would you know, where we're at right now, uh, that was destroyed and then came in all these regimes throughout uh, our uh, government that have appeased Turkey on their wishy-washy and very aggressive stance. And now we have a president in the White House that is reluctant to back down. And so now Turkey is waiting for us to retreat. For us to retreat and say, okay, you can have the S-400s and you can still have the F-35s that you were promised years ago. And that would be one of the biggest egg faces we would ever endure. And you know what our president doesn't like? Egg on his face. That is the one thing President Trump does not do is egg on his face. So it's not going to happen. And this is why the pilots were grounded. And I already, in a previous um, show this week, advised you that there's two ways. One, we wear egg on our face. Or two, uh, you know, we stand by it and that's it. So with current circumstances, the way it is, and because Congress is not getting involved in this, uh, you know, it's actually tying President Trump's hand. Uh, the White House, the State Department, the Pentagon um, are giving an answer, um, you know, are giving the same response when they're asked about the S-400 and F-35s coexisting in the same country. And the answer from the White House, the Pentagon, and the State Department is no. Turkey can't have both. They can't have S-400s and the F-35. So um, in in Washington, okay, in all this scenario of Turkey, right, 
because Turkey's in a lot of trouble. Now they've got caught trying to sell off on the black market gold. There's chatter that they're moving, you know, your enriched uranium through Iran, through different factions. What they're doing in Idlib in Syria is huge. The way they extended their air quote green zone and how they are aggressively pushing against Greece to take control of six miles out into the water. Uh, their aggressive stance toward Russia, even though they're partners. And, you know, Russia can actually save them. Let's be honest. You know, Putin can actually come in and save Turkey, but he doesn't want to. It's not in his interest. He's not interested in that. What he's interested in is letting them, letting the chips fall. Right now, Russia is benefiting from this turmoil Turkey's getting, even though they have a cooperation, obviously, because there's pipelines that go through there. And Putin's like, oh, I understand, but I'm not getting involved with that. You know, I'm here, but I'm not going to get involved with that, which is great because either way, it's a win-win for Russia. If Turkey collapses, then it's, you know, the country itself will go back to its original owners. So it'll go back to Armenia. It'll go back to Greece. And the rest of it will go back to Russia slash, you know, extra nations. So Russia gets more control of the water shores, of course, because it used to be theirs. Turkey just took over that. And then Cyprus is liberated, too. So, you know, that's the more favorable route with Turkey just going bye bye. But here's the thing. The European Union and the Turks, for some reason, see President Trump as a, a, as a variable, X. He's a variable. And so Erdogan is betting that um, President Trump, that's, you know, not very good at hiding, uh, you know, what he feels, is that, you know, he is um, going to back down and that he's going to win. And so, you know, when uh, Erdogan was returning from Tajikistan, uh, he reportedly said that Trump is, um, you know, a low-class individual. And he has people around him that are influencing him to be against Turkey. This is the words of President Erdogan about President Trump. Like, oh, no. This is what's going to say there's no way President Trump will now back down and have egg on his face for the sake of anything. And the thing is, things are completely different. I mean, you know, Turkey, for some reason, is thinking that John Bolton and Mike Pompeo and the generals are all responsible. Let's keep this clear. John Bolton is all about working with Turkey. Mike Pompeo, not so much. Mike Pompeo's like, yo, you can't have both. Shanahan was playing front hole a little bit, um, you know, and they were trying to put it on. But for some with the stress that he was getting from the Senate and the fact that he didn't want to be the first person being put up for, you know, secretary of defense and then being shot down by a Republican Senate, he withdrew. So now we have the, the secretary of the U.S. Army who has been put forward. Uh, so we're going to see a replacement for the secretary of the U.S. Army, too, which is going to be cool. So for some reason. Erdogan thinks that it's the generals Mike Pompeo and Bolton persuading him uh, to, uh, trying to persuade Trump to work with Turkey but it's only John Bolton this is why John Bolton has to go um, I've said this before he's a little bit scary and he's um, super old guard he's he's like that guy you would call to clean up a mess you know uh, he's very smart though 
and he's scary actually if there aren't a lot of people that scare me he does so the thing is we all know that president trump as he's viewed by the global order is that he's unpredictable but you know this is where uh you know it we need to be a little bit cautious because last time they're using the fact so this is how turkey is mocking the president saying oh he said that he was going to remove his troops from syria but then he had to stay and he increased the troops so he obviously uh proved that uh, as far as foreign relations go and foreign strategy he's not being guided correctly and for some reason uh you know you know there's an energy uh, that uh, Netanyahu and horrible Israel, this is this is Erdogan saying, and not me, are giving President Trump. And the thing is, what we saw in Syria and Idlib was actually Turkey-driven. We know this. Eric Prince knows it. Blackwater was down there to replace our troops, and so there we go. I mean, this is really pushing the envelope. Like Erdogan is seriously pushing the envelope. To, to, to push on war. And there is no way President Trump is going to have egg in his face. And I know that everyone wants to think that we're sending troops for Iran, but it has nothing to do with Iran. It's about Erdogan. So, you know, Erdogan shouldn't be expecting anything for President Trump because <laughs> he's not going to budge. His last proposal uh, to have both systems, you know, on Turkish soil and on separate, or what he said was, let's put the S-400 in, in the occupied area of Cyprus, and then we'll have the F-35s on, you know, Turkish, you know, in mainland Turkey. You know, he was like, no, it's an insult to the United States. And that was right for President Trump to say so. It's insulting. So, you know, the, Turkey is actually still hoping that, um, you know, Congress or the Senate or people around President Trump will influence him uh, to change his opinion about Erdogan. But, you know, these things have already been sorted. You know, this is the million dollar answer. Will they find a amicable solution? I'm saying they won't. Because in the last few days, you know, Turkey has been threatening Cyprus uh, more, engaging in more hostile, um, you know, behavior uh, there, which is causing more Turkish-American relations to be under strain. Turkey has also exhibited um, uh, direct threats and aggressive behavior to Greece, uh, you know, uh, you know, Turkish, the Turkish response is just weird. They're trying to be bullies in the Aegean Sea. They're trying to be bullies in Syria. And, you know, they're not abiding by the sanctions the U.S. set on the oil in regards to buying oil from Iran. And yet they're demanding that they should have both weapon systems when it's been made clear by President Trump. No, you're not going to have that. You can't be a bully everywhere and expect us to stand up and say, oh, what would you like? Yeah, let's do it. We have to be very realistic uh, you know what's going on in the Mediterranean is horrific and you know it's not even being reported how um, aggressive they are how they're flying into international airspace how they're going in there with their navy I mean it's it's really really important but there are American diplomats seriously who you know um, think that Turkey is the bee's knees but the majority of them right now 
believe and I'm one of them too I mean I'm not a uh, I'm not an official but I'm one Turkey is useless to us you know they're causing more trouble than anything I mean where were all these stolen artifacts you know that they caught what was it um oh I'm trying to remember uh it was like a hobby lobby where did they catch them smuggling them in from Syria and Iraq where were they being sold Turkey where does uh, where do all the organ trafficking dead victims turn up Turkey? Where is stolen gold being tr- you know pawns on the black market Turkey? Where is enriched uranium being alleged to be trafficked through Turkey? Hasn't Turkey expanded their green zone border and for some reason there's still unrest in Idlib? It's because of Turkey. Has doesn't Turkey have a huge terrorist presence? Aren't they funding their own FLN, which is a terrorist organization? Yes, they are. And are they a staunch, um, you know, ally to Iran? Yes, they are. And they go by what the Muslim Brotherhood says. They are about the fact that the destruction of the West would be most favorable. They're the ones saying that our president ha- is low class and has bad judgment. Why? Because they're angry. I mean, if you want to get something done, you don't insult people. You're not aggressive, but they can because eight years now, Obama has let them do it. Obama has let them do it because Turkey is the gateway to where? Iran, Syria. They house all the pipelines. It's like everyone's licking their boots. Why? Think about it just on a common scale. You know, Turkey is a person and Turkey's like, yeah, I want to have both the the bad people stuff and your stuff. And it doesn't matter if they get to share some of the technology. It'll be just for the benefit of all of us, though. And you're saying, no, I don't want them to have their hands on our F-35 technology and other stuff. I don't want them to have access on that stuff. So you can't buy that. If you're going to play with NATO and play with all our allies, you need to play fair and you can't have it. No, I'm going to have it. But in the meantime, I'm going to insult you. Because I want it. I am going to be aggressive in a place that I've already taken over. They're like, it's, um, they've, they've invaded Cyprus, right? They've taken half the island. And now they're getting more aggressive to invade the rest. And they're invading, you know, uh, Greek waters, Greek airspace, right? They're literally invading it. They're also, you know, pushing the envelope when they're going into the South Med, you know, ac- across from Cyprus is where you have Jordan, Israel, and Syria. And they're going aggressively in there. I mean, what they're doing in Syria is insane. The fact that they're not, you know, recognizing U.S. sanctions on Iran is insane. Uh, the fact that they're smuggling things from the Middle East and selling them in a black market in their country is insane. The fact that they're killing Kurds is insane. So this is a big deal. Like, why would you comply with a bully? What was the term that Obama said? We do not negotiate with terrorists. They're terrorists. They're terrorizing a region because they have the keys to the kingdom because they have the central network of these pipelines. And we're going to, what, work with them? Uh, No, we're not. And this is why I said the Abraham that went there, the troops that we are sending, I've already told you guys how we've sent multiple, um, you know, shipments of weapons to the Eastern Mediterranean uh, from Greece to Romania to Bulgaria. I mean, no one's paying attention. They're beefing up for something and it's not Iran. And Iran made that clear today. The Supreme National Security Council director for the Supreme Leader of, you know, the Khomeini said 
It's not about us. It's about putting pressure on other nations. And I said that three days ago. I was like, listen, what we're seeing in Iran is not about that. It's to pull the pants down to the clowns and to see where they actually sit. Where are you going to sit? And you know what their response was like? We need an EU army. We're just going to ghost Iran until it's closer to the deadline. Well, what if we make you know, the United States look like the bully and then call them out for being bad people because they're attacking Iran, which they're not gonna. This is the climate. And on top of that, not only is Europe calling us out and telling the people of Europe that we're going to war, we have, uh, you know, the president of the European Council, Jean-Claude Juncker, uh, saying that, you know, they have the right to be independent and the United States holding them accountable for money laundering is not allowed and they could do whatever they want with their currency and how dare President Trump talk about it and examine what they're doing, yet they're allowed to do the same to us. Uh, like, uh, no, it doesn't go one way. So it's, it's really a big deal because he literally said it's so unfair to attack the central banks when it comes to their independence. Independence, he said. Um, and he said that at the annual European Central Bank Forum. And it, it's a big deal. And then, uh, you know, Mario Draghi, you know, because the U.S. president said that Draghi gave an unfair competitive advantage to Europe at the expense of the U.S., uh, you know, he said, um, President Trump said that he might need new interest rate cuts and bond purchases if inflation in the Eurozone doesn't accelerate. I mean, it's pretty incredible. And what he's saying is, is that one of the major powers and responsibilities of a central banker is that he can move the markets with one line in one speech. That is what Juncker said. Germany is attacking the president, saying, oh, they're just scared of us, and maybe this is what we have to do. And the European Union saying, oh, the U.S. wants to play like that. They're trying to tell us that we're not allowed to move our rates and compete with the dollar wait a minute if you want to compete let's do tariffs man that's how you do competition let's do trade the reason they want to kill the dollar is because then we can't export easily why not do it fair because that's not fair that's not the fair way to do it because if you want to cut interest rates we'll cut them too and then it's just going back and forth and we look retarded do it the right way. Compete. You have faith in what your member states can produce? Do it. I have faith in what America can produce. And my Made in the USA products will be flying out there like hotcakes. You want to impose tariffs? It'll be equal tariff on my end too. Let's play it. Let's have the level playing field in doing this. Don't dilly-dally with fixing, you know, uh, monetary currencies and pushing the markets in that way the way China did. China was very slick. Not only did they take all the manufacturing and people go to them and all these jobs in the industries, but... They also would fiddle with the economy by, you know, changing how the rates are. So when you, when you hear we're going to be going to war and you're hearing CNN and all these people talking about it, it drown it out. President Trump diffused a nuclear war. It was supposed to be a small one, but it was supposed to be the ultimate icing on the cake under Hillary's regime to take away more of this freedom that you want. This is how you do it. Because, see, if we didn't have 9-11, you guys, I'm just telling you, if there was no 9-11, I guarantee you, in the United States, we would have had civil war by 2005, 2006, if there was no 9-11. I guarantee you. Because at that time, people had grown very tired. What Clinton did... So, guys, I just wanted to say that right after the phrase what Clinton did, something super odd happened. 
So I didn't have a power outage and my computer shut down. So I thought that I'll be uploading the rest of that final thought. As we heard, um, well, say in a clip that I played earlier in the show, it's always going to be from within because the only way to govern in a way of a dictatorship in a socialistic manner is to have the people voluntarily forfeit their rights. And if we look back on the time of the late 90s and early 1000s, and we're talking, uh, you know, um, 2000, and pretend that there was no 9-11-2001, the way things were going, we were destined for a civil war. We were destined to accomplish that. And it just so happened that 9-11 happened. Maybe, uh, you know, this was divine intervention uh, to uh, stymie a civil war. Maybe the unrest that we had uh, created us to seem as if we were weaker, so an attack like this would hurt the nation from our enemies. Maybe, maybe. But I can tell you, civil war was where we were going. And because we didn't have one then, we would have, we forfeited all our rights if President Trump was not president. At this moment, a small nuclear war with North Korea would have happened. That would have taken the last bit of our freedoms that we still have. Our right to bear arms would have been removed by now. Borders would have been completely open. And our nation would be in a state like none other post a short nuclear war with Korea. So one thing we can say is that President Trump stopped a destined war with North Korea. So keep that in mind whenever you believe that war with Iran will happen because it's not. So on that note, I'm going to end this show. Uh, and yeah, so those of you that were live, I, I don't know what happened. My computer only shut down. So that was weird. That was very odd. On that note, I want to wish you guys a great evening. I will see you all here tomorrow, uh, as usual, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time on your local airwaves and streaming us online uh, by downloading the Red State Talk Radio app or streaming us through TalkStream Live or in your car if your state carries our station. God bless and get ready for the ride. <laughs>